Hey, it's BT Patel from a Gemini. This episode is with Lewis Duncan from Autosport Magazine. And uh, Lewis, we talked. We had a conversation before. He's like he's like a across the pond version of me. He likes metal and he likes motorsports, especially MotoGP. And we get to talk. And he just got a girlfriend. And I asked him about his girlfriend. The funny thing is, watching him stutter like a fourteen-year-old who's in love. And Lewis is a shy guy. He can play guitar, but man, you could tell when I asked him about his personal life. That was the funny part. But we talk. We get in depth with MotoGP. Maybe a little more technical than I wanted to, but it's all about GP. Uh, we also talked about uh, what the MotoGP Unlimited uh, series is going to do for hopefully for MotoGP the same thing as it did for F1. So. Always, it's fun episodes, and just watch it, Lewis stutter when it comes to his girlfriend and him being in love. I think you'll enjoy this episode. So enjoy Lewis Duncan. Isn't this great? I mean, seriously, I told this guy, and yeah, it's gonna be an hour later, but it's actually you know <laughs> earlier than he knew. So I had to make him finish work early and do the show. Hey, it's BT with tales from a Gemini, and you know it's MotoGP season, so you know what that means. I'm. It, I'm geeking out and I'm talking to anybody who knows MotoGP just so I could talk to him. I have nobody to talk to here. And my guest now, I thought we were getting a band together. I thought we were going to be like in a rock and roll band together, singing nothing but Iron Maiden, drinking goat's blood and, you know, sacrificing animals and just going around the countryside until the weekend comes and we go see MotoGP races and then we, you know, sacrifice more animals and drink more goat's blood. But this guy gets a girlfriend and now he acts like he doesn't know me anymore. But I'm going <laughs> to see if, <laughs> but now I'm gonna <laughs> see if we can talk to GP and and talk about his latest endeavor in life. How you doing, Lewis Duncan from uh, the international editor from Auto Sport Magazine? How you doing, buddy? I'm all right, BT. How are you? It's nice to be back. You know, it's a lot's changed since the last time I was on on your show. I know you're all cocky now. Like, yeah, a lot's changed, BT. I got a girlfriend now, so you know, hey, <laughs> yeah, um, Lewis is all smooth now. I got a girlfriend now, bro. So you know, <laughs> you can just not call me anymore. Nah, never, never. Well, yeah, I've got. Well, it's not just that. I've moved country. And I, well, I say moved country. I've moved across the border. So you know, it's it's all all change in the 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 Duncan household. You you moved in with your girlfriend, didn't you? Yeah, we got a, a flat in uh, in Manchester. We moved in last week. In fact, last week was our um last Friday was our moving day. And typically, two days later, I got COVID. So it's you know, it's been a crazy old week i hope that's not a bad omen you know what i mean you as soon as you move in you well, get COVID. no i don't think so i think the house has been blessed all right because um uh megan my girlfriend said the first song she listened to when she got into the flat was tom sawyer so you know look at you always keep it metal bro that's what i love about you always keep it metal that, and you know honestly and the great thing about it is if you guys if you guys know lewis his his instagram handle is l duncan 666 last night i went to go see the movie studio 666 thought of you the whole time it's about <laughs> the foo fighters uh and it's it, it's, yeah. a, it's a cheesy movie but you know what it's cheesy it's bad it's it's, it's like it's that good cheese where you go this cheese is delicious. And if you really like metal and you like shit like that, I don't know if you remember Kiss's Phantom in the Park. Do you remember that movie Kiss did? Yeah, yeah. Fucking horrible, yeah. right? But yeah. It was horrible. And it's, it's, it's along the lines of that. And do uh, you remember the monkeys? Hey, hey, with the monkeys. Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, like, yeah. it's like the monkeys meets Phantom in the Park, but it's better than all those two combined. But it's still bad, but it's still pretty damn good. There's a song they play. <laughs> And I mean, it fucking rocks. And I thought of you the whole time because Dave Grohl is rocking. I'm like, Lewis would love this. I'm in the theater by myself rocking, going, Lewis would love this, man. So I thought. I, I, have, I have wanted to see it. It does look quite good. I do like um, Dave Grohl. I think he's a pretty sound guy. 
Well, it, here's what you do. You, you and your new girlfriend. God, I'm so jealous. You and your new girlfriend. You know, you go get get knackered at a bar, right? Go see the movie, then go back to your flat, and then you both play bass together, and then just fall asleep in each other's arms. How lovers do, I guess. But yeah, it's, it's the kind of movie that if you get drunk or whatever, and you watch, you'll probably laugh. And there are some fun scenes. And if you really know metal, it, it goes along with the metal and the Satan thing. And it, so it's kind of funny in that way. But I think you'd like it. I think you'd like it. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it does definitely sounds like something I would definitely dig. Yeah, I know you would. I know you would. <laughs> hey, I, I didn't know you were an Offspring fan also. Yeah, yeah. Was, um, well, I'm sort of that sort of child of the Tony Hawk generation. So that kind of music is something that uh, appeals to me quite a lot. And we... um. Yeah, it was a we it was a last minute thing. We there were still tickets, and we were going to be in Glasgow. So I was like, "Well, let's go see them," and it was great fun. How, were they good? Were they good? Yeah, they really, really were good. You know, I was um, I don't surprise isn't the right word, but I was it was a a lot better a show than I thought it was going to be. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great fun. You know, played all the hits, just played some of the new stuff. The new album's great. New album sounds sounds great. The the new one they did, it's um, yeah, it was a good fun fun night. I was going to ask you, do you get any new stuff? Because, I mean, well, last time we talked, it was pretty much centered on, like, even though it was Maiden, even New Maiden or whatever, but it's sitting around basically the old stuff. Do you get into any new bands, you know? Like, sometimes, like, a, you know, you need a little new impetus to, to really appreciate the rock and roll. Yeah, I mean, there's new stuff that comes out every now and again. There's a, a cool uh, band out of Mexico called The Warning. I don't know if you've heard of, heard of them. They're pretty cool. Um, they do quite hard sort of... Um, just good hard rock really it's um it's pretty good stuff um there's always good stuff here on the radio by you know like the cadillac three seems to get played on the radio over here a lot and they sound really cool where are they um, from where are they from uh they i want to say texas or one of these places are a kind of southern rock band and um you know we've got bands a couple of bands over here um i don't know how new they are to be fair they're just sort of new to me but there's you know things like chris barris band you know you got phil phil campbell and his his bastard sons uh, obviously, Phil Campbell from Motorhead. So yes. there is new stuff, but I yeah, still sort of um, gravitate towards the old stuff. Yeah, no, I know you do. I try, you know, I on purpose, I have to listen to on purpose to new stuff just, just so I don't feel like a relic. You know what I mean? But there's something about hearing those old And I, I, I like to, I've always liked Rush, don't get me wrong, but I never really was that big into Rush. I liked them, never was. And for some reason, Saturday night, Tom Sawyer came on and dude, it hit different for some reason. I don't know why, but I was like, oh yeah. Cause I remember my, my friends like Rush and I was like, okay, they're cool. I, did, I never disliked them. I always thought Working Man was the shit. I really yeah. did. Like, you know, that. I like that, but I was like, okay, Rush. But man, for some reason, Saturday night and Tom Sawyer came on and I was geeking on it, man. Air drums and everything, bro. I mean, I was doing it. Yeah. So for some reason, but I like to get like Seether. I like, see you like Seether? Uh, I've heard of Seether. I can't tell you, if, uh, not knowingly. I don't know if I've heard any of the stuff. I might have heard it on the radio, but um, I have heard of Seether. Okay, okay. Well, you, you, you should come down to Austin, and we'll go and listen to some music, some metal. Well, uh, it's funny you should say that, because hopefully I will be at the MotoGP in Austin next month, pending uh, my visa application, which I have on Friday, my meeting for. My um, interview for so hopefully I can get that and uh, finally get back to MotoGP paddock after two very long years. Why would they not let you in, Lewis? I mean, you're you're one of the greatest guys ever. Why would they not let you in? Well, I mean, I don't see any reason for them not to let me in. I haven't committed any, you know, terrorisms or anything like that. So, but, but don't say it like that when you go to the meeting. <laughs> no, don't say it. I haven't committed terrorism yet. And they go, "What's with the yet?" Uh oh, and then <laughs> you get denied. Oh, so. I just, just never say never in it, you know. <laughs> 
said never say never. Yeah. Yeah, don't say that at the meeting. Don't say, I want you to come to Austin. We'll have a great time, man. I'm looking forward. And you're going to bring your girlfriend? You're going to bring your girlfriend? No, it's just just be me. It's a working trip. So, you know, not too much time for sightseeing, I'm afraid. But I'm sure we'll be able to squeeze in, yeah. you know, uh, uh, certainly a couple of trips trips out. I'm sure in the evening after track action. I'm I'm assuming you're going to be down there as well. That is the plan, dude. I honestly, it's the best of both worlds. I know what you're talking about. You're so tired in that weekend, and you're like I said, you're working, working. I mean, I work, but it's like shits and giggles for me, you know. But I'm, but you know, working, and I just I love. I don't know if you're like me, but I love getting there before Moto3 FP1 starts. I love getting there and getting your coffee or your tea because, you know, you cross the pond and getting your coffee and your tea and, you know, just letting it all, like, eventually happen yeah. organically and you wake up and then you hear that sound of FP3. I call them the bumblebees when they come out on the track and you watch them. And so at the end of the day, you know, I think Moto America is going to be there. So I got to watch that. You know, I want to watch a little bit of that in the evening. And so I don't want to be a jerk about it. You know, that, that is the American, you know, race series. I want to watch a little bit of that. But then you get back to the hotel and you're so tired that you got to, you know, get dressed and you go to eat dinner. By the time you get to eating, it's at least, what, eight or nine. And you're tired, man. So that's the plan going in. I, we, I want to take you someplace and get some, you know, uh, good Mexican food, get some tacos mm. in you so we can talk face to face, bro. And just everything, man. I, I, I'm so looking forward to meeting you face to face. That's going to be great. But I want to know, first of all, before we get into the GP stuff, before we uh, geek out and everything, how did you meet your girlfriend? That's what I want to know. Well, we, um, we, we work together. We, we have the same, the same job, essentially. So that's how we, we met and things kind of took off from there really well don't try to look try to oh, this uh, well we work together next thing you know old jed's a millionaire no i mean like <laughs> I mean, well, it was it just it was one of those things where we kind of knew each other for a few months and then just started talking more and more i was really um funnily enough um when i Maiden's new album came out that was kind of and we started i just got a message one day from from her um about you know, she'd listen to the album for the, she'd listen to the album. She never heard Iron Man before. And then that was kind of started. Look at started. you. It's funny to watch you. <laughs> I know. I think I'm embarrassing you because you're kind of stumbling <laughs> over your words. Well, Iron Man didn't, then we were moving in to Pantis. <laughs> Lewis, you're great. So Iron Man, well, basically just, gets you guys together. Yeah, pretty much her first sort of, um, she came up to Glasgow for a couple of days. And then the first time I came down to, to Manchester, the, our first sort of official date was to Nico McBrain's drum one shop in Manchester. <gasps> Look at you got that man. So Maiden and Motorsports got you guys together. Pretty much. Yeah. That's the two things that kind of uh, sparked it off really. And now we're five, almost five months down the line and we live in a nice new flat together. Look, well, you worked fast there, Duncan. Look at, you know what? It's this, it's him playing, playing guitar. She saw him playing guitar and he, she knows how he writes. And she's like, I like this guy. And next thing you know, look at you. Five months later, you got COVID and you moved in together. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, it definitely wasn't on my bingo card. That's for sure. I didn't expect any of that to happen, but I'm sure glad it did. <laughs> Apart from the COVID, obviously, yeah, I could have yeah, done without that. Hey man, honestly, I, I give you I give you shit, man. But that's beautiful. I mean, I really is. I was telling my producer Wyatt. I said, you know what's great, man, is that like 
you know, having somebody like what you like, because what we like is neat, you know, it's like a neat sport, especially over here also, you know, it's like everybody's football, basketball, whatever. And I just love motorsports so much. So to have a woman that you're attracted to and she likes what you like and she's in the same profession you are, you could talk that. So it doesn't look like you're trying to hit on her. So it's like like professional, like, so what's going on? Who's the new driver in Formula 2 and Formula 3? You know, and you get that kind of going. And like, we should go talk about it over some fish and chips at the pub. And the next, you know, it looks professional. So if she turns you down and go, well, it was just a, a, a work lunch. I mean, God, you know, so then you start working. Then well, when, when metal comes in, well, there you go. Well, yeah, it's, I'm definitely very, very lucky. So, so do you fall asleep like to Iron Maiden? Do you guys like put some Iron Maiden on and fall asleep to Hallow Be Thy Yeah, that's a, a white noise machine is, yeah, Hallow Be Thy Name and the Trooper. <laughs> Greatest, man. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you shit, man, just because. <laughs> no, but, not at all, not at all. But I'm so happy for you. I really am. I, I mean, I'm, I'm happy for her. I thought we were going to have a band together, but she's our Yoko Ono. She broke us up, but it's okay, man. I'll get over it. No, I just well, like you say, at the weekend we're gonna. I think we're gonna make a an investment in a bass guitar, so that you know we might have we have might have a, ba- a bass player for the band. So oh, that'd be know. great, man. That'd be, you know what? You two should do videos together playing. How great would that be? Well, yeah, it'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I, I would love that, man. I would love that. So anyway, enough of the enough of the personal life. I don't want I want to have you stuttering anymore. Let's get on. To, let's get on a GP because when this will when this airs. Uh, it should be next week, so uh, Mandalika should be uh, should be ra- uh, it should be race weekend, Mandalika race weekend. So after K- Qatar, what are you, what's your takeaway from Qatar? Like, who were the winners and losers, other than Inaya Bastianini? Yeah, I mean, Qatar is always a really hard one to sort of read into because it's such a weird. Oh, it's not a weird track, but it's just unusual. Night race, you know, the conditions are always a bit funny. Um, and what we saw in Qatar was not what we expected to see, particularly with Ducati. Mm-hmm. You know, we expected Ducati and Peko Bagnaia and Jack Miller to go there. And even, you know, Jorge Martin on the Pramac bike to go there be quick. You know, obviously Martin was was pole position, but they had an absolute nightmare. You know, nothing went right for them. Jack had his technical problems. All of the, the, the 2022 spec Ducatis were just not very competitive and no one's really sure why Bagnaya spoke about the fact that he's been uh, he's been trying too many different things on the bike. He's been testing too much. He's been developing too much. And he's not been able to focus on his feelings. But it's such a surprise because they ended last year so strong. And mm-hmm. even in the the Jerez test after the season, I asked Peko. I said, you know, you said this 2021 bike is perfect, and he said, well, we've been able to improve on that. It's an even more perfect bike. And we thought, ah, you know, this is going to be the year of Ducati. Mm-hmm. What we didn't expect was a 2021 Ducati to go and win the Grand Prix. You know, it's such a strange kind of, just a strange turn of events that the, the, the old bike has been. Obviously, the old bike's fully developed and and Bastianini's been able to just ride it. He's not been able, to, he's not developed it. He's not done anything like that. He's just been able to find his base settings and ride the bike. And that's helped and it will help for a few rounds. But it, it wasn't a great look for Ducati to have the old bike just be so dominant you know it wasn't as if it was a little bit quicker than the 2022 bikes it was miles quicker well you know what i found i don't know about you I and mean, it isn't much of a dork i am i don't know if you watch it like i do i swear to god when it's the start of the race i go like this and i'm <laughs> I, I, I go like this and i'm watching and when i do that i don't know why but it helps me get into it it sounds weird but it helps me get into the race so when i'm doing like this i'm seeing from the camera angle that i'm watching Who's who's gonna jump? Who gets the better start? 
And I don't know if you watched it, but for some reason, it was like some kind of force came and all the Ducatis had a weird start. Like, like Martin almost ran into uh, whoever it was. It wasn't uh, uh, Marquez, but he almost ran into somebody. Like He didn't get it right. And then mm -hmm. I think Jack had a weird jump. Like, all the Ducatis started really weird at the very jump. I mean, Marquez had a pretty decent start. Obviously, Spargo did. And I think that's who Martin almost ran into in the beginning. Was Mar So did you notice that at the start that they started off weird? Yeah, well, I think uh, all the 2022 bikes lost six places from their starting positions for some reason. We know they've got all the start systems, the launch control systems, and the, the whole shot devices. And we know Ducati have been playing with a new kind of front hole shot device, although, as I understand it, Peko took that off his bike because he just didn't like the feeling of it. So maybe there's something in that. Maybe they've been playing around with the, the starting devices and it's not quite worked. It was odd, and we've never seen that from Ducati before, really, because they're always the best starters. If you think back yeah. to... Last year, the first Qatar race, Jorge Martin went from 14th to 4th on the bike that obviously uh, Bastianini won on this year. So uh, it was odd. And we, we knew coming into the preseason or into the season, sorry, that the, we didn't know really where Ducati was with the new bike. And we suspected things were a little bit odd when before the weekend, Peko and Jack switched to a 2021 hybrid engine. They didn't have the full 2022 spec and they, they spent all weekend playing it down, you know, oh, it's the best package for us, this, that, and the next thing. But clearly something was wrong with the 2022 bike. We know it was quite aggressive. Um, and we, we seen that with the Pramac riders that you, you could see them spinning out of corners. You could see them spinning more. They couldn't quite put the power down in the way that a Ducati always has been able to. Mm. Um, and, but this shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't have happened that they had such a bad start and they've had such a, I don't know if difficult winter is the right way to put it, but they had not the preseason we expected because they have eight bikes. They have eight bikes. They have eight pools of data to look at and to, to develop the bikes. That's the whole point of having four teams essentially for Ducati is to use that to make the perfect bike. And it almost looks like that's become a problem because all the riders are all doing different things. And it's backfired a little bit. I thought maybe it's a sense of the mad scientist in a way. They've had so much technology. I mean, if you look at what MotoGP has done in the development of the bikes to the years, Ducati, and especially since Gigi's gotten there, their development to the bikes, I mean, think about it. I think first came the wings, at least for me. First came the wings, and then I think they experimented with the, with the rear brake, with the, the thumb rear brake. And it's like they're always trying to do something different. But maybe it's gotten to the point, and I'm just speaking, I'm just talking out of my ass, but maybe it's a sense of like where it's like they it's too much because I, I found it funny how during the press conference they asked Marquez, like, is there too much electronics? And I think Jack mentions this also in the podcast he did with the Gypsy Tales. Is, is it too much electronics? And it's funny how Marquez said we don't need, I think it was ride height, but something ride yeah, height yeah. or whatever. And then here comes the race. And it's like that technology kind of bit them in the ass. Yeah, I mean, uh, Gigi has Gigi Delaney has been obviously really brilliant for Ducati in terms of the way he's made the kind of race department work, and his innovations have moved things on. Um, and the whole eight bike thing again is something that kind of it's not new to Ducati. They did that a few years ago, back in 2016, 2015, 16. They had eight bikes for the same purpose to help development, mm -hmm. um, but. I guess the game's moved on a lot now. You, you've you got such a competitive... There's no bad bikes on the grid anymore. They're all fast bikes. They're all 
they all are capable of getting on the podium. They're all capable, I think, of winning races. You know, yeah, we still need to see what the Aprilia can do, but I believe it can win a race. Um, so the, the margins are much smaller now than they used to be to make a jump. You know, the, you're talking about making a lap time gain of half a tenth now with the development, not, you know, one, two, three tenths anymore. Yes. It's so tight. And the, the and this is something I think actually uh, Paulus Bargro spoke about last year with the Honda. Yeah. Um, the problem he had a lot at the start of the season was the fact that he had no real reference because all the Honda riders were using different things. They were using different chassis. They were using different settings. And it was just confusing the whole thing. KTM were the same thing. Brad Bender said in the winter that they changed the approach because KTM used to bring so much stuff. They used to bring lots of developments and it was too easy for the rider to get lost. Yes. And I think that's maybe what we're seeing with... And, and they've changed that. So I think that's what we're seeing now with Ducati is they've got too much going on and all the riders are doing different things because there's, you know, the three engine specification, they've got two specs of bike. Mm -hmm. Well, three specs of bike, really, if you take into consideration that Peko and Jack are on uh, the 2022 spec bike with a 2021, 2022 hybrid engine. Then you've got the two Pramac bikes that are on a full 2022 spec bike as was intended by Gigi. Right. Then you've got uh, Luca Marini is also on the, the, the full 2022 bike. And then the other Ducati riders, Bastianini, uh, Fabio, Digian, Antonio, and Marco Bizzecchi are all on the 2021 bike. So they're all, there is three specs of Ducati out there and they're all doing different things. And I think this is where the problems come from. I think Ducati have gotten themselves lost. Yeah, it's a little too much, I think. And, and the, but look what Dassey did last year on what, a two year old bike. And, you know, I think it got lost between and with everything going on last year. You know, it was crazy last year and Rossi's last year and this isn't going on. But why, amidst, amidst all that confusion and turmoil, whatever, Vastianini was in the top six for the last, what, how many races? With the last nine or uh, the last five at least? Yeah, yeah. Well, Bastian, uh, yeah, I mean, let's take nothing away from Bastianini. He is clearly on what is probably the best package right now, right now which is the fully developed 21 Ducati. But he is a great rider. You know, his racecraft was never in doubt last year. His qualifying always let him down. But you look at uh, Mizano 1, he came from 12th to 3rd. Mizano 2, he came from 16th to 3rd. Yes. He went from 16th to 6th in Austin. You know, he was 18th to 10th or something like that, or 18th to 8th in, in Valencia. His racecraft has never been in doubt. And this is something we saw in his Moto2 days as well. He was quite inconsistent in Moto3. Yes, but when he jumped to Moto2, instantly he was quick on the bigger bike and he probably would have had more podiums in that first year in 2019 had he not had, I think it might have been with Luca Marini, he had a crash and injured himself in Austria. Yes, yes, that and, big crash, one where everybody yeah, crashed, that scary one. Yes. Yeah, and I think um, I, and I think that really hindered him. And then the following year, obviously, he went and won on championship in Moto2 and then in MotoGP, you know, he was kind of general had it not been for jorge martin we would have all been looking at bastianini as the second coming because he was really really good it was just the fact that martin was obviously winning races and having more kind of standout results early on but of course they were on two different bikes they were on a bike with two year age gaps so now that the and he is on this fully developed 21 bike he's spoken about how it's safer to ride you know he can make mistakes on it and not be punished for that you know he, it's just an easier bike to ride and his own riding style as well i think he hammers the front a lot i think he he really understands the front end of the ducati in many ways it's a little bit like peco the reason peco was so strong on the bike was because he can understand 
how to ride it, how yes. to ride the Ducati style, let's say. And I think Bastianini understands that as well. Um, he's got a great team behind him. The Grassini team is a great team. It always has been a great team. We haven't seen that over the past seven years because really it's been the Aprilia team run by Aprilia just out of Grassini box. But all, yeah, it, we, we talk about, you know, Ducati had problems and there's, he's on a two-year, a, a better bike right now because it's, it's old and it's developed, but you still need to be a good rider to, to do what Bastianini did. And oh, yeah. he, the way he managed the race and beautiful, uh, it, it was, it was great. And he, he made a late call to switch tires. He was going to go for the soft, went for the medium tire instead, the medium rear tire. And that paid dividends. Yes. He saw there was a point in the race where Paulus Bargro was about a second clear and Bastianini saw he had to get past Bender and did it yes. straight away. And then absolutely decimated Paul's gap. And, the way he rode the race and even managed the last lap as well when he was getting caught by Bender was the mark of a MotoGP rider that knows how to do his job properly. It's a guy that will be quick all season. That was beautiful. I mean, for some reason, I don't know why. I don't know the ins and outs like you do. That's why when I do these, it's more about the human condition and this and that. Everything else except the technical factors. But I know a little bit. And I know by watching, I was like, when Marcus chose the softs, I knew Bastion was on the mediums. And, you know, sometimes Mark can play the game like, okay, I'll let him get about two, two seconds ahead, and then I'll show him who Big Daddy is. Well, then, you know, he started dropping back and dropping back, and then Bastion's on the mediums. I go, oh, here we go. And the way he sucked those guys up, he knew he had to get by Bender. He got by Bender. And then Paul was just, man, he was doing everything he could to keep that lead, and you knew it was coming. And he went past him. But, the, the, but the, the, to me, the surprising thing was watching Bender come back and almost catch him. If they had another lap, it would have been done. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it was great to see two things that stood out about that. First of all, KTM have they appear to have got the bike right Qatar has always been a bad circuit for that bike I think the best result before Sunday was eighth yeah um you know Bender we, we all we always say if Bender figures out qualifying he will be there in the race because he's he's like Valentino Rossi in many ways he's a Sunday man Sunday you know he's maybe yeah. not maybe not the most outstanding of qualifiers but as long as he's there or thereabouts then he can pull it out on Sunday he, he KTM affects the bike. We know Brad's a great rider and he has a bike that he can ride now. He says he can corner better. He can actually release the brake and just let the bike glide, which he couldn't do in the old bike. Uh, they've clearly worked a little bit more and they still need to work to get it fully to work for them, but they can use softer tires a little bit better now. They know that was a key problem last year is that the soft tires were just too bad for the too weak for the for the KTM. But they figured these things out, and you know, Brad. I think we still need to see a few more races to see truly where KTM is. But I think Brad will. There, there's just that sense about Brad, like we saw in 2020 in his rookie season when he was winning, you know, three races in when he was generally just very, very competitive on Sundays. He might have been slow on a Friday, but come Sunday, he was right there. And I think we're going to see that more. And if he can figure out qualifying, very much like Bastianini, who figured out qualifying, if they yes. can do that more, those are guys that will be properly scary every single race weekend. 
Well, you know, guitar to me is like it's like it's like being on vacation. Guitar is like you know, on vacation you like you get drunk every day or whatever. You, don't, you do things you wouldn't normally do. You go pee in the ocean or whatever you're doing. You know what I mean? Like you don't normally do that in your house. Like I hope you don't. And then it's like you know, and then the rest. Then when you go back home, then you get that little routine. And that's what I feel like the first three or four races are. You know, guitar. You're under the lights. And even though it's the desert, it's a little tricky because, you know, they started mm. a little bit earlier this year. And what last year they dealt with the dude that was coming. Then, like, for some reason, what, what, two or three years ago, they had that, you know, that freak sandstorm or whatever. So even though it's the desert, there's always those weird things going on with Qatar. And I think we won't really know the true measure of the championship, at least I feel, until they get to Europe, they do the European rounds. You know, I think the first four rounds are going to be for, yeah. for everybody like, ah, oh, look who's, and then I think they're just going to wait. They just keep it rubber side up, get the points and wait. And I just felt like, I felt like Mark was holding his tongue to like, I, I'm sure it, it burned him up inside for Mark to finish fifth. And he had to just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I just feel like he knew that track wasn't going to be his. And he goes, just get the points. And then when it comes down to at least Coda and afterwards, then you'll see the real Mark. I mean, that's the way I felt. Yeah, it's uh, Mark was surprising because I fully expected him to win that race. Me like too. He, the way he was talking, he always talks down his chances. He was like, oh, I don't think, you know, maybe a podium, but I don't feel ready. And we're like, well, the race pace is quite good, Mark. So I think you're not, I think you're talking a wee bit, a little bit of shit there. But, you know, we'll, but he, he yeah. You know, we, we we can't forget that this this new this 2022 Honda is so different. It is it is the most radical change Honda have made for a long, long time on a bike because they had to because Mark's injury problems, you know, in 2020 and 2021 showed that they just they just couldn't continue as as Paul was struggling too much. The LCR riders were not fast. Yeah. They needed that change, and there was a risk in doing that though there's always a risk because yes the bike was difficult but mark could ride it and he always could ride it he always got the best out of it even in 2019 and 2018 you know you look at like guys like pedroza like lorenzo who really struggled in those final years mark was able to dominate those championships but honda had no choice but to do something and in changing the bike to to a more rear bias bike to kind of cure the traction problems they had. They, they've taken away something from the front end. And that was obviously Mark's strong point Yeah, was the front end where he could hammer the front end. He had such good front end feeling all winter. He's kind of been getting used to that fact. And let's not forget, he's only had five days on the bike. He didn't do the tests in November last year because he had the vision problems. Yeah. So he's had less time than some of the other Honda riders. The bike is is very good we know the, the new honda is great paul showed that all winter it has just looked like a really really good bike and even watching the guitar weekend you could see how um, how much tighter it cornered it just looked like a much better handling motorcycle than a honda has done for a long long time but mark needs to figure out the front end and this is why he went for the soft front tire in qatar which is something we never see yeah honda riders in general do but it's something we never ever see mark do but he knew it was the only option he had because he, he tried the medium and he thought it was okay in warm-up, but he had a crash. And that gave him a little bit of doubts and he thought, well, I still don't understand the limit of the front, so I need a tire that I know will work, which is a soft. Yeah. And, he, you know, he, he still needs to figure these things out, but the fact he came away from with a fifth and only just missed the podium, despite not fully understanding the bike, is yeah. a very, very key sort of sign that Mark Marquez is back. And, I, you know... Mandalika, I think we'll see Mark a lot stronger because he was generally quite happy there with the bike. I think he'll be strong there. I think Argentina, he's always been quick there. Cota, you can never rule out Mark for that. But I think 
over the next few races, Mark is going to understand this bike more. He's, he will, um, we will see the old Mark back this year, I think. But what do you think is going to happen? Because, I mean, I'm going to go on a limb and say, Aspargo might be his strongest uh, his strongest teammate ever. Because when he got Dan, Danny was on a little bit on the downslope. I think the first year he was there, Danny was strong. And then, you know, Mark kind of did a job on him in, in uh, Aragon and he clipped his, uh, you know, the, track, the, the traction control device. And yeah, yeah. And so... Am, 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 am I out of line here saying that maybe Paul might be his strongest teammate ever? And if Paul gets that 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 confidence the next two or three races and he finishes maybe if he gets pulled in the next two or, or out points, Mark, I wonder how it's going to go mentally for Mark. I mean, because we, we've never really seen an, uh, a teammate push him like this. No, we haven't. I mean, and, and Mark's had great teammates. You know, Danny was – can never take anything away from Danny Pedroza on just how good a rider he was. You know, in, in 2014, he had all the arm pump problems, and then in 2015, he spent the first half recovering from that. Right. Then in 2016, the, the, the tail of Danny Pedroza is an unfortunate one because the switch to Michelin tires really should have been Danny Pedroza's time because it was finally taken away – the Bridgestone tires beforehand, they were all about the front end. You had to really abuse the front end, and that just wasn't Danny's style. The key strength Danny had was that he could get the bike picked up super quickly and just get on the gas, and that's what the Michelin tires, they, they are more rear bias now, but they, that was what they were supposed to be really about in 2016. But in the preseason and the early season, they had two massive failures and then changed the construction of the tires, and that just, that was kind of the, that was it for Danny Pedroza. There was no more after that. That was so hard um, to watch. That was so hard to watch. I mean, because yeah. it's almost like in The Predator when uh, when uh, 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 Jesse Vida Ventura gets killed and, and, and uh, the, the guy, uh, Bill Dude goes, ain't a way for a soldier to die. You know what I mean? And I just felt yeah. that way for Danny, man. They're like, your heroes never go out the way you want them to. Like last year with Rossi, I'm glad he got a top 10, even though it was because somebody else crashed. It doesn't matter. He still got the top 10. But I, you just want to see him go out on top, and it's so hard to watch that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is, it is difficult. And a rider like Pedroza deserved a championship. And I, I hate saying people deserve, you know, such and such deserved a championship because if you don't win the championship, you don't deserve the championship. But right. Pedroza was very, very clearly talented and there was always a lot of bad luck hit Danny. Just some of the, the worst. I mean, 2010, when he was fighting for the championship, he had that crash at Mategi because the oh, bike, there was yes. a brake failure or something. Uh, you know, there was 2012 when the, there was like a tire warmer got stuck on yes. the grid at Mizano, and then he ended up back in the grid, crashed into by Alvaro Bauti or um, Hector Barbara, and then that was the championship unraveled from there. You know, it's stuff like that that happens to absolutely no one apart from Danny I, Pedroza. I always felt like somebody had like a voodoo doll of him before the <laughs> season, and they were like poking it with pins, and then for some reason he walked in front of a black cat, and then underneath a ladder, and he dropped a glass and dropped a mirror. It's like, what is he? I mean, why? I mean, it's, it's so hard to watch. Because it felt up to me, I like to see everybody get a little piece of the cake. And when it boils down yeah. to it, I would love to see Danny get a championship. But would I have loved to see Danny get a championship instead of a Rossi during those years or, or a K? Yeah, yeah. But it's just hard to see that, man. He, he bowed out. And I hope he's at peace with it. He might say he is, but you just never know. I hope he's at peace with it. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. That's what you want. I mean, I love yeah. how Casey went out. Casey basically went out a champion. I mean, I just love how gone fishing. I just remember that 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 the, the board when he finished and he goes gone fishing. I just love that. And then hearing yeah. him on the Gypsy Tales podcast talk about how much anxiety he dealt with and and everything he dealt with. Then I almost felt sorry for you know when we don't know. I don't know about you. Were you more into the no than I am? But did you know the the issues that Casey was dealing with? 
Uh, not not intimately, not until obviously that podcast came out and he spoke a lot about the anxiety issues, which explains a lot about Casey. We, we know Casey never likes the media thing and um, you know, Casey was never afraid to say, you know, to speak his mind. Um, uh, but you never, yeah. I, you know, I think the anxiety thing probably linked into the, his dislike of the media and things like that. I just think all of it was apart from, and even the riding part, I think Casey found difficult despite the fact he was so talented but i suppose that's kind of it's always the way though with people is like with just a god-given talent like that is they're always a little bit troubled you know casey was like that you think you know people you know i think like gary moore was kind of like that as well you know it's to go for a completely different world and guitars gary moore was a bit like that someone that was so obviously talented but just never at ease and never happened of course you know you know, we we didn't know at the time all the demons he was battling up until his death. So it's it's just it's that the genius, the, the, the suffering yeah. artist, almost like the the, the the tortured artist. Like I'm so great, yeah. but you don't know what it's like inside here. You know, it's like yeah, just ride the bike, Casey, would you? And then you find out what he went through. You're like, I kind of feel like I should apologize to the guy. You yeah, know what I mean? like, yeah. You find out he was going through some stuff, but yeah, I mean, it's like um, it's almost like a joke by Mitch Hedberg. You know, it's like. They said they wanted him to act in movies, and he goes, but I just want to be a stand-up comic. And it's like working at McDonald's. You know, hey, man, I just want to yeah. you know, make Big Mac. Can you work the fries? I don't want to work the fries. I want to work and make Big Mac. And so and that's what it's like. It's like, yeah, there's the media, but, man, you get to race motorcycles for a living. You know what I mean? How I mean, how bad can life be? On our side, how bad can life be? You're racing motorcycles for a living, but at the same time, now you got to speak to the media. And like he said, yeah. you know, he grew up in the Rossi year, so Rossi had the press in his back pocket. I didn't realize people were trying to yank him off the scooter as he's going to his box and they're doing all this stuff. So he dealt with a lot, but man, did, to me personally, watching Casey ride was like, you just go, oh. I don't know about you, yeah. but you just go. Oh. Casey was a special time. I mean, it's, it's, you know, not to obviously he was going through what he was going through, and and him retiring was obviously the best thing for him. But it's a shame he didn't stick around just that one two years longer because the plan was for Honda was to put Mark on the bike with Casey for 2013. Oh, which oh, 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 can you imagine? Can you imagine that that killer lineup? I mean, that's like that's like. Muhammad Ali and Mike Tyson, both in their primes on the same team. I mean, you're talking two killers, man. Can you yeah. imagine that that box and what they and like? Would they have to separate them? Would they? I mean, because Mark came in so aggressive, and Casey was just Casey. I mean, coming in and he'll what set the lap record on the on the his first outing, and then come back like, all right, I'm good. You know, I'm gonna go play uh <laughs> play PlayStation. You guys yeah. come in FP2 starts. You know, and Mark's out there just running into people <laughs> trying to get a good yeah. lap time. Oh, I mean, the ifs and the ifs and coulda, woulda, shouldas, oh, Honda had the dream squad. Oh, my yeah. God. But, you know, but, but going back to your original question about Paul, I think I've always believed that Paul, uh, you know, was capable of going to Honda and being quick. Mm. I, I remember speaking to him at the end of his time at KTM, and I asked him, you know, people have been saying all year, you know, what's it like going to face Mark Marquez? Are you scared about it? And he's like, well, honestly, no, it's as a sportsman, it's the ultimate challenge. And so I'm looking forward to it. And we didn't get to see the best of Paul last year. The bike, he has such a, his riding style is more tailored towards using really hammering the rear brake on the way into the corners and using the rear. That's, that's his whole thing. And he couldn't do it on the Honda, the last year's Honda because it was just had no grip at the rear. It just wouldn't work for him. Mm -hmm. Now he's got a bike that he can do that on. And we have seen, a truer version of Paul Espargaro. He is 
Uh, you know, he was quick through the preseason and he backed that up with a really quick Qatar weekend, of course, led for 18 of that, 18 of those laps. And if, you know, it was just the fact they went for the softer tires and he knew at some point those tires were going to drop away. The pace of the race was a lot quicker than he expected it to be, which was the same for everyone. Yeah, he was, but, he was the rabbit. He was the one that set the yeah. pace. I mean, yeah. what, what he did, that, to me, that's what you do when you have those soft tires. You go, you know what? They're going to drop off eventually, so why not yeah. get the biggest lead possible and hold on yeah. to dear life? And had, you know, had someone, had Bastianini maybe not cleared Binder as quick as he did, then it could have been a different story. But we, I, we've seen, I think we've seen enough from Paul that, first of all, he can ride this bike. And second of all, that, that the new Honda is a bike that will be competitive in more than just Mark's hands. Mm-hmm. And Honda... You know, that's the perfect scenario for Honda. They now look like they finally got two riders now that can ride that bike competitively, consistently, which they never had. You know, they didn't have last year because there was a lot of problems with the bike. They didn't have the year before because, you know, Alex Marquez was a rookie and, you know, Stefan Bradl was doing days and days of testing between racing. You know, obviously, well, Mark was injured. And the year before, obviously, Jorge Lorenzo had so many struggles on the bike. And the year before that, Danny had so many struggles on the bike. So, yeah. Honda now finally got what I think is probably a, a very solid team. And, you know, it's come at the right time as well because I don't think Paul's under any pressure for next year. I think he will be safe in that seat because I think Honda's got eyes on Pedro Costa. They want to see what's going to happen oh there. Oh, my God. Yes. And I, I think they want to give him... I think they want to get him onto a contract as soon as possible but give him more time to develop in Moto2. Um but for the time being, sticking with Paul's not a bad option at all. You know, if Paul's going to be, you know, potentially Mark's best teammate, then, you know, they might have a bit of a job trying to actually convince themselves to get rid of Paul because if he ends up going on to win the championship, then they might be like, well, <laughs> clearly, <laughs> yeah. clearly we've got two riders now that can win the championship. So why upset that? We'll just put Pedro in, in LCR with the factory bike. But that's obviously a, a, a big bit of speculation that we we're, we're only one race into the year, so we can't get too deep into that just yet. Let me tell you something. Sometime this year, maybe in the off season, look for any mass bank robberies, like an Ocean's Eleven kind of. Uh, somebody's gonna knock over a casino in 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 in, in Monaco or Las Vegas, and they're gonna take that money and they're gonna have three or four trucks bag up to Pedro Costa's house, and they go, "Hey Pedro, sign with us," and that's what it's gonna be like. I, I personally, I sincerely believe that he's the kind of talent where you can't let him go. KTM no. is going to have to find a way to tunnel through a casino and get all the money possible well, uh, and take it to his house. Well, I think it'll be more like whoever is going to do it will have to rob KTM's casino because they will have... I mean, if you look at everything that's gone on with Raul Fernandez, he didn't want to race with KTM this yeah. year. He wanted to go to... He wanted to go to with Yamaha and uh, Petronas SRT, which, of course, has become um, RNF Racing. Um, or Razlan needs funds, as, as we... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> as we like to take the piss about, but um, yeah. um, KTM, there was a five hundred thousand euro buyout clause with Fernandez's contract, his current KTM contract, to get him to ride for RNF, and I think <clears throat> I've, I'm not uh, incorrect in saying Yamaha was willing to 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 put that money down, but KTM just said nope, like because it just wasn't oh. going to happen. They just I think there was maybe performance clauses in there and KTM just the, the KTM, the, the web that they weave with the riders is very, very thick. And, you know, they are a great manufacturer. Don't get me wrong. And they've done a, a fantastic job in, in bringing up young talent because they've, 
sort of annex that you know the red bull rookies cup is ktm the northern talent cup is ktm so much of the moto 3 grid is ktm or badged ktm so that your gas gas or your your like cf moto for example right um and then into moto 2 you've also got that fantastic system with aki io so bringing them through the aki io system yes they've KTM have absolutely earned every single top talent that they they bring through because they've a lot of the times with people like Brad Binder with like Miguel with Raul with with Remy Garden well Garner to a lesser extent but you know a lot of these riders Pedro Costa they've started off in the, the very beginning of their careers with KTM and have come through mm-hmm. the ranks with KTM and that's something they're proud of and want to keep pushing and. So, you know, they can talk a good game about, you know, all our guys. If they don't want to be here, then we're not going to keep them to their contracts. But they they know full well that if they've got a good thing, they're not going to let Honda, especially not Honda, you know, take a rider away from them. Why and, would you? Yeah, why well, would you? Well, this is the thing. I mean, CEO of KTM, Stefan uh, Pieras, famously said when the team launched back in 2017 at the team launch event that Honda is KTM's most hated rival. You know, there's a, there's a lot of bad blood there. It stems back to the very early days of Moto3 when, um, you know, um, I think KTM or, uh, or, yeah, KTM came to that championship with what was essentially a full factory bike and Honda kind of was caught out a little bit by that. And I think it just started, stemmed from there really, is that... I kind of like that. This bad, well, this bad blood has continued on. So the fact that it's going to probably be Honda versus KTM for Pedro Acosta, who is very much a KTM rider, is going to be very, very interesting. But I think we, we, we do need to sort of keep our feet on the ground because Pedro is 17 still. And 17, about to rule he, the world. He's 17 and he's, he's only just... He's only done one season in Grand Prix racing. He's only just done one race in a Moto Two bike. It will take him some time to get up to speed. You know, but you know, no, we do- you know, you know. We, I mean, even well, though he way he I, finished in and the way he finished in Moto Two, he made that mistake. But he came back through the pack the way he did, and we all he, know Qatar. Way Qatar is. He did. You, yeah, he did. He did do a great job, to be fair. But I think we just need to. I, I don't want a, a situation like Fabio Quartararo to happen, where we put too much pressure on this one kid's shoulders, and then. He just fades to obscurity. I mean, because Fabio was quite lucky in a yes. sense that he got that Yamaha seat. And of course, now we know that it was a very inspired choice by, you know, Wilco Zellenberg and and, and Rats Alley and all those people to, to bring him up to, to, to SRT in 2019. But, you know, Fabio at that point, before he'd won that race in Barcelona, Moto2, was a bit of a nobody. Man, yeah, I mean, I, I was feeling sorry for him because I remember when he was in Argentina. I think it's when he made his debut. I think, and uh, I think he came close to a podium. I, I, I think, uh, I think he was. I could have got a win. I think against Danny Kenton. You know, can't end up winning. I think won the race, whatever. But it's like, ah, oh, this kid's gonna get it. He's gonna get it, and it never really came. And then you know, he was like, having some bad crashes, and I just remember going, man, I hope it comes for this kid. And I felt so bad for him. Like he said, it was the pressure, and then he made that. Uh, it was in Barcelona. I remember I was celebrating my birthday there, and he and he got the the, uh, the pole. He's on the front front row, and he got that win. And then you know he signed. There was like, what are you guys doing? He signed to MotoGP. He hadn't really done anything. He, he had a good two weeks basically. And then man, what he did was I I was so happy for him. So, but for some reason, I just feel like Acosta's like, yeah, bring that pressure on. I'm ready for. It. It, to me, it's a, it, it seems like from the outside looking in, yeah. it seems like a different kind of. A different kind of mindset. He he is very much a, a kind of chill character. I remember speaking to Akiayo after Portugal last year when um obviously Pedro had won 
that crazy race from Qatar from the pit lane and then one in Portugal again. And I spoke to him about it and he said, you know, Pedro took the SIM card out of his phone because he was getting too many messages. He was getting too many messages of congratulations. So he just pulled the SIM card out of his phone. And he was just, he was just like, I can't be arsed with that. I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to enjoy my week off. You know, he doesn't really have social media. You know, he's, he doesn't really interact on social media as much. He's very, he's not very like a normal 17 year old. He's very, very yes. mature and very, and I think, I guess he's probably quite self-aware that he is very talented. And I think the fact that, you know, he's obviously got quite a, a cushy deal with KTM. And I think he knows the fact that Honda will probably be interested in him. I think, well, that's the kind of thing that will please him more than anything. It'll just be like, I'm clearly doing a good job or else these guys wouldn't be falling over themselves to try and get me on a bike. Because he does, strictly speaking, have a way into MotoGP. His current Moto2 deal, or his current KTM deal is three years, I believe. And it does mean in 2024 he might or probably will step up to MotoGP with KTM but of course if if Honda comes with millions upon millions of, of dollars and say look you can go on the bike next year which I don't think will happen um you know you, you'd be mad not to, to take that if you're an 18 year old at okay. that point well here's something I mean I'm, I'm just gonna throw it out there but what let's just say you know Honda signed a what March of the three-year deal and that and he's he was on a four year deal at the start twenty twenty. Okay, so when's that? When is his deal up? Uh, end of twenty four. Hey, let, what happens if Mark? If they go, hey, listen, Mark, thank you for the championships. They realize he's on a downslope. You know, I mean, eventually you fall off. And what if they just go, thank you, Mark, we appreciate it, and they make a way for Pedro, give him all the money in the world, and Marquez has he feels like he has one more good year in him. And I don't, I mean, I just feel like that what if Pedro comes in and takes Mark's seat, okay? Honda's like, hey, we can't afford these two. We got to bring in the young talent. Thank you so much, Mark. I mean, and, and let's just say, let's just say Mark goes, okay, KTM's where they need to be. Let me get one more year. He said he didn't want to stick around like Rossi did, but I think he did that just to, to you know, to stick the knife into Rossi and turn it personally. But let's just say he wants one more year to show I still got it. And he wants to show he's the old guy on the grid now. What if he goes to KTM and just to show, hey, I still got it, and this kid ain't got shit on me? I mean, can you see that happening? I don't think so. I mean, Honda is reportedly paying that the current contract marks on is reportedly worth 100 million euros. Holy and as far moly. As and as far as I'm aware, that during his injury layoff, that he said to him, look, pay me whatever, because obviously I've not been racing. There's been a pandemic. And I think Honda were quite happy to be like, no, no, your money's yours. There's there's a very deep bond between Mark Marquez and Honda for, for very obvious reasons, yeah. but it's one that um, you know Mark's always spoken about. He's never had any say in his teammates and yada yada yada. And I think that's true. And I don't think Honda Honda aren't going to bring Pedro Costa in to upset Mark. What they'll do is they'll bring Pedro Costa in if they were to do that to compliment Mark. It'll be you know they, they still Mark still has a full backing and there's there's nothing to suggest to me that Mark. Uh, what 29 you know back to full fitness isn't going to win four or five more championships he's probably going to beat rossi's tally and is probably going to exceed that i can see mark went easily winning 10 championships you know we say that but man it's racing anything can happen i mean who knew well, yeah like, exactly who needs to have that double vision again last year and that's yeah, exactly, again. so yeah. you just i mean and also it's racing but it's also life and life you just never know i mean who saw the pandemic coming who saw that <laughs> exactly yeah. so i mean but man, I would love to see it happen. But I mean, you you got some killers coming up, and mentally, 
I like what Bagnaya does and the way Ducati's going. I can see him going for it. But one thing about Bagnaya, and maybe it's we don't see it. It's got to be something simmering, but I don't see that. Oh, you know where, where you would mark you see it simmering. You see him kind of like yeah. when, when he got beat by when he got beat by Renz at Silverstone when they were in that you car. Could see it, yeah, and he you could just see him just like you know how pissed he was and how he was like he was trying to smile, but he could see he got he was a tea kettle like don't touch it it's hot and 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 but that's what I love and no one to me has that other than Mark than maybe. Fabio to an extent, but I see yeah. Pedro. I see Pedro having. It. I just see Pedro having that kind of that kind of mentality, and he's kind of like a, like when he did that to Faggio, he waved at him doing that warm up, you know, and yeah. Portimao. Yeah, when he did a little wave, and and Faggio was like, "What is he doing?" I like that, and I just kind of see Pedro having the same mental that Mark has. But other than that, I don't see anybody. When push comes to shove, winner take all. Which I think GP is going to be this year. I think it's going to come down to the last race of the year in Valencia, and I can easily see three or four guys. And if if I had, a, and I'm not a betting man, but if I had money, I would put all my money on Mark because that guy yeah. will go to his grave, yeah. kicking and clawing to do what yeah. it takes to win. I, th- I think you're right. I think Fabio does definitely have that um, that kind of instinct. You can see when he gets beat when he knows he shouldn't have, or he knows when he could have done better. It does. Um, it fires him up, but I know I, I see that in Joanne Mir as well. Quite honestly, I think. Yeah, I like I love Mir. You know, I think people kind of have written off Joanne Mir because he won he won the pandemic championship, and it was so much crap that year. Of you know, oh, you know, it's not a legitimate championship. It's yeah. fourteen races. It's you know, repeat races. Mark's not there. Blah blah blah. You know, and then obviously last year the Suzuki just didn't develop very much. Mir was far away from winning the championship and never really looked like he could win the championship but Mir rode better last year than he did when he won the championship and you know if you look at his results they were consistent they were just the limit of what the Suzuki could do but now and yes Qatar didn't go really to plan but you know the bike is good the bike the new Suzuki is good they've made a lot of gains they've crucially done what Yamaha hasn't been able to do which is find power from the engine without First of all, that's the thing Yamaha hasn't been able to do, but they've done so without compromising the characteristics of the Suzuki. And all through the preseason, you know, if you look to the fastest race pace, it was guys like Alex Rins. Yes. The Suzuki was right up there. And I think there's just an air about Juan this year. You know, 2020 was one thing. He had to go and prove it again in 2021. Whether he, he felt like he had to or not, to all those people that said, oh, you know, it was a pandemic championship, blah, blah, blah. And then he didn't. And I just see there's... He said something at the end of the last season that he kind of backtracked on, but it was very genuine. You know, people talked about, someone asked him about, you know, how he looked at his championship and people might think, oh, well, you know, it wasn't very good as a reigning champion. He said, you know, as far as people like that, that just see me not winning a championship and think my season was bad, I couldn't give a shit about them. I couldn't, don't care what they think. You know, he he was convinced he did the best that he could. And if you actually look at the results, I hundred percent he did that's there's no doubt in that this year there's just a little fire behind his eyes is yes, that little you catch it every now and again when you look at him just see there's a determination in his eyes he knows that he's got a, what he wanted from suzuki he's got the package he wants the team has a new team boss and it's the team boss that takes no prisoners and livio super it's livio the guy super that, i do know he knows where the bodies are buried you know <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's the guy that brought casey to honda it's a guy that's you know he's very much um he knows 
he knows how to run a ship. And I know there is some kind of thought, some people in Suzuki that maybe aren't happy with that. They maybe don't think he's the right person, but only time will tell that. But, you know, there's just this determination behind Joanne, and I think we will... I I said this to, to me and my girlfriend at the weekend. I think it will be Joanne versus Mark for the championship this year. There's just... Ooh, that'd be beautiful. That'd be a good one, I, man. That'd I be think, a great I one. think that's... There's just something about Joanne this year that just speaks to me as this is a... This is a world champion. Or this is the world champion. This is a guy that will come out a lot stronger than a lot of people suspect or have expected. And I think we will see, we we will see a really a much more competitive Joanne, and I hope we see a much more competitive Alex Rins as well because I really rate Alex, but he frustrates the absolute hell out of me with the Everybody. amount of crashes he does. Everybody. It's the same. It's the same with Maverick as well. You know, Maverick is so obviously talented. Yes. he's on his day. He is as quick, if not quicker, than the rest of them. He just there's just, just something mental. within Maverick Vinales that just doesn't work. And hopefully Aprilia brings that out of him, but it's not been the easiest starts to the season. And I know there's he needs more time to get used to that bike. Was that your girlfriend in the background? Uh no, she's uh disappeared through to the other room. Was that was that Megan though when she had the, the hoodie on with the pink? Hoodie? Yeah, yeah. Tell yeah, her to yeah, come yeah. here. Tell her to come here. Oh, she's she's disappeared into the into the other room. Hang on a minute, let me Megan. Me Megan, come here, Megan. I know. I, I want to see him stutter now. I want to see him stutter. <laughs> He's got his girlfriend. I want to see his girlfriend. I'm going to see who's, who's captured my six-string hero's heart. Look, is she saying no? Is she saying no? Is she, is she going to do it? There's the woman that captured my man's heart. How are you? I'm <laughs> good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing great. I, you know, this guy, we were going to have a band together, and the next thing you know, he's falling in love, and it's like, I don't, he doesn't talk to me anymore. I'm like, what happened? Then I see his Instagram. It's I go, not true. Yeah. That is not <laughs> true. You're the Yoko Ono that broke us up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not quite. I'm just My not autistic... My artistic output pales in comparison to the, wow. the great year Corona. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so, I'm just flipping your shit. It's so great to see. I, you know, I saw you in the picture with him on his Instagram, you know, and I was like, oh my God. I go, Lewis has a girlfriend? And now I'm so happy. You guys rock and roll together. You write about yeah. motorsports together. I mean, there might be, yeah. you guys might be the perfect couple. Well, I think so, yeah. Yeah, it's not, not bad. Could be worse. Could be worse. Yeah, it's 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 great to meet you. By the way, I really liked the episode you did with them before. It was great. Well, thank you so much, and it's great to meet you. I, I'm 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 flattered and I'm honored, and I can't wait to meet you in person someday. Hopefully. Well, likewise. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Have a good and good luck on the base. Good luck on the base. Good luck on the base. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> See ya. Okay. <laughs> I think it's beautiful, man. I love to have you blushing, Lewis. That's the greatest thing in the world, man. I love it. I love it. One of us has found love, and I'm glad it's you, bro. I'm glad it's you. Oh, uh, I'm very grateful for that. Thank you very Good much. Good for you. Hey, before we get out of here, man, what do you think Moto G uh, Moto GP Unlimited is going to do for the series? Because what I like about you is you stand on opinion, and I love it. And I'm a firm believer. GP is so much better than Formula One, but Formula One has that seniority, you know, and yeah. I will, but I will give them this. I will give Formula One this. They jumped on it first when that, when, yeah. uh, you know, when uh, the Drive to Survive came out, 
They jumped on it first, and now, and people like my producer, he didn't know a goddamn thing, but he saw, his dad saw Drive to Survive, he goes, whoa, did you see Drive to Survive? I go, yeah, man, I've been on this shit before. He goes, man, isn't it great? I go, yeah, I know. <laughs> so it's gotten people like him, like I said, who don't know a goddamn thing. You got people like him interested in Formula One. So is MotoGP Unlimited, is it going to do the same thing to, uh, uh, for, for MotoGP? It, if they market it right, if MotoGP markets it right, if they, you know, if Amazon pushes it right, if it gets in front of the right people, it's not aimed at me and you. You know, we're the diehards, we're the people that the know the sport inside out. Yeah, exactly. We, you know, in the same way that Drive to Survive was never really aimed at us, it was aimed at, you know, people that aren't interested in it. It was aimed at them, and that's. But I, you know, dry uh, me. We 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 sat and watched the whole series. We got a a, a link ahead of time, uh, courtesy of Dorna. So thank you very much, Dorna Sports. Um, um, so we could review it. And what struck me about it was it wears its drive drive to survive um influences on its sleeve. It's very much if you watch it and if you've seen Drive to Survive, you know you'll see where it takes some of its cues from. But but it's a much more authentic experience. It is. You know, there's no kind of hyped up drama. There's not tried to create any silly kind of rivalries that didn't exist for drivers. They don't try and kind of um, fudge any of the racing. You know, Drive to Survive a couple of times have been, they kind of take an artistic license with what happened in some of the races. Being, right. You know, there's one, I think the last season where Lando Norris, you know, was whatever position it was, whatever race, and we're like trying to make a big deal out of it. Being, oh, it's the final lap and it's the final corner. He's been overtaken. And it wasn't the final in real life. It wasn't the final lap, and it wasn't the fight. You know, right? They haven't done that. They've just taken the raw video, the raw live feed of the racing, and let the racing do the talking. There's no fake commentary dubbed over it. It's all MotoGP world feed stuff. It's Matt Burton and Steve Day. It's there's no um, weird kind of odd sort of um, kind of sound design. You know, Drive to Survive does that thing where they like mask the real sound of the car sometimes. Yeah, Unlimited yeah. doesn't do that. You know, the riders talk in a native language, which caused a weird stir on social media, but it's the best thing for it. Because I love they, that. Yes. They, you know, it's if the price of readings from subtitles is you get a very authentic, very real reaction to things. You know, the series covered the season pretty much perfectly. There's a couple of things they left out. You know, they didn't really fully explain Honda's problems. They just sort of followed Mark's kind of comeback, which is fair enough to a yeah. casual fan. Right. That's fine. You know, you don't really get to see too much of Andrea De Vizioso. He makes an appearance in the background, which is odd if, the, if you think there's going to be a second season and Dovi will probably feature quite a lot because it's Dovi, you know, he's, he's a big name. Right. Um, but, you know, other than that, the, you know, the behind the scenes stuff with Maverick through the whole Yamaha, have fallen out and his Aprilia situation and you know it's fantastic it's a brilliant episode where they're following the Austrian race but they're following it from Maverick's perspective when he's not in the paddock when he's been suspended by Yamaha he sat watching you get to see Maverick's response to the race and then in that you get to see how he is obviously processing everything that's going on that he feels he deserves to be where Brad Binder is winning races right now but he's not you know the Yamaha situation didn't work out the way it should have yeah it, it tells the stories that we wanted it to, you know, it, it makes, nobody comes out of it looking all that bad, apart from maybe Ratslan Ratzali, he doesn't come across very well in it, but that's, <laughs> but, yeah. but that's, but that's not the series kind of doing that deliberately. That's just, they followed him around and shown the situation of that team and he just doesn't come across very well. But I think people like Maverick will get a new fan base. You see the real Juan Mir, you see, 
you know, he, you know, people think, oh, Schwan, he's always complaining he's doing this, but you, you see the juxtaposition. You see Maverick, the family man. You see Alesh, the family man. You oh, see yeah. Alesh, the angry rider. You see the guy behind it. You see Fabio's struggles. You see Peko, how he came up. You see Rossi's struggles. If, the, if it's done everything it needed to, if it can just get in front of the right people, I think MotoGP Unlimited will be massive for the championship. And the, the only problem it has, which is more of a UK thing, is that the coverage in this country on television isn't very good? You know, you oh. have the live co- you have the live coverage on BT Sports, but how many? If you're if you think MotoGP Unlimited is like Drive to Survive and it's aimed at a young people, a young audience, they don't have the money to pay for BT Sports. They don't really watch television. They you know, and there's not a good highlights package like there is with Formula One. You know, it's on Monday nights at eight PM. It, you know, young people like you know eighteen to twenty five year olds aren't really watching television at 8 p.m. on a Monday night. So I have no idea what they're doing. I have no idea what they're doing. I mean, I'm not that young. You know, I mean, I'm, young. I'm like 27, but still, I don't know. <laughs> so, so you're only two years older than me. Um, <laughs> um, but no, I, you I, know, I, I hear you. I but just... it, it, can, it can do what MotoGP needs it to, and I, I, I so hope it does because the, the benefits for Formula 1 have been massive with Drive to Survive, and if even MotoGP can gain a tenth of that, it will be huge. Well, Christian Horner said about he got in trouble for this, and I know what he was saying. I think people are making it. Maybe came off cross different over there, but you know, he said it's going to bring a lot of young girls to. to and I, he didn't mean it its way. I think the way they try to make it, you know, like oh my god, he said this like he's the R. Kelly of the, the yeah, Formula <laughs> One. But I think he just said it. But it's true though. You have young, good-looking millionaires, play, you know, not playboys, but you know they're you know they're driving great cars, million dollar cars. They're going 150 miles an hour. They're risking their lives racing. They're not bad looking guys. And so you know you put them in front like girls are out of me going, oh my god, he races car, and then oh, he drives a Ferrari. Mm, girl, we gotta go. You know what I mean? It, they, of course it's gonna bring it. I mean, for some reason women know, <laughs> women know where the guys with the money are. Regardless, I mean, no internet. But the days before internet, they knew where those dudes were. So the fact that there's that racing environment, and you know, Formula One is like, you know, they, they get helicoptered in, so you're gonna be millionaires. Like I said, these guys yeah. are racing. Yeah, they're gonna bring young girls in. I don't know why people well, are tripping on that. The thing, what I think MotoGP Unlimited does really well, and it's the thing that I've talked about for a long, long time, is the fact that. We don't have like the Lorenzos and the Pedrosas and all that anymore. The guys that had big rivalry and had big mouths, and you have very you have young guys. All of them, you know, the oldest guy in the grid is Alesh at thirty one, but the rest of them are all under thirty, and most of them are twenty three, twenty four, twenty five. They're all nice young guys. They're all nice guys. They're all raised well. They all speak very politely. They're all very down to earth. They're all very humble. And I think in this kind of modern era, we've lived through a pandemic. People don't really want to see, you know, millionaire playboys living in Monaco, getting helicoptered into places. I, my generation anyway, I don't think we want to see that. We want to see real people, you know, on characters that we can relate to. And I think MotoGP Unlimited does a really, really good job of that. People will relate to these riders. And I've, like I say, if they can just promote it properly and get it in front of people, people will see that actually MotoGP is not only a better racing series in Formula yes, 1. yes. Is there's a there's a, a, a kind of a, a genuineness to, to MotoGP that I doesn't really exist in Formula One right now. It's still, you know, I I take nothing away from Lewis Hamilton. I think he's a fantastic racer. I think he's, he's generally quite a nice guy, but I can't really relate to Lewis Hamilton when he goes when you see him in thousands of pounds worth of Tommy Hilfiger clothes at a fashion show and 
you know, LA with these celebrities. That doesn't really appeal to me. I'm a guy that likes, you know, listen to my Rush records and, you know. Wear a Rush hoodie. But yeah, playing the place. You know, that's, I'm kind of, you know, I don't, I'm not like a flashy kind of guy. And you, okay, yes, fair enough. These MotoGP riders, you know, they're not short of a few, a few quid, you know, they're not, they're not. They're not having to worry about when the next meal comes from, but they're all still remarkably very, very humble. And that's very easy to relate to. And I think my generation now in this kind of modern world that we live in, where we've been through a lot of shit and we're still going through a lot of shit right now, people want just something a bit more um, wholesome. You know, I don't know if you're, you know, this we, we live in a TikTok generation and in yes. the UK, especially there's this, this guy that goes, runs about TikTok and his whole thing is he gets excited about trains. Yeah. You know, he's a, he's a train guy, he runs about and he, he gets really excited because trains come through. It's nothing but nice, wholesome content. And that's what people identify with. So MotoGP has that. And if they could just get it in front of the right generation, I think the series will take off hugely. I, I hope so. I mean, because like I said, I mean, for me and you, we're the geeks. I mean, uh, we're the ones that, you know, no, I want to wait to the last interview possible. And then I want to see the. You know what I mean? That's just me. But for the outside looking in, it's the greatest sport there is, the greatest spectacle. 100%. And if you're walking through the paddock, it, when you, you just said this, it made me think of this, how you can relate. When you see a Moto 3 rider on a bicycle doing a wheelie in the paddock, you're going... I can relate to these. I mean, they're just kids, yeah. man. You know, and that's what I love about it. I mean, I don't know how they get down at F1 paddock, but seeing, I just remember watching Celestino Vietti just do a, a wheelie on a mountain bike. Just, and I go, that's what I love. I love seeing everybody waves. And it's just, man, it's just beautiful to see. And so I hope it does. I hope, you know, I have people like Screw here walking on the sidewalk. I hope she watches MotoGP because of that. You know what I mean? I hope she yeah, goes, yeah. oh, this sport MotoGP is great. And that's, that's what I want. So, yeah. Man, I know we got to wrap it up. God damn, I swear to God, I could talk to you all damn day just about racing. And then we have, we have another one about rock and roll, even though we talked about it the last episode, we still talk about it on this episode. I mean, oh, yeah. This is a new Scorpions album. We need to, we need to do a deep oh, dive. My, into it. Oh, <laughs> dude, I, I went to their Instagram and I and Klaus May was talking about it and I heard, I was like, this. This fucking rocks. Did you hear it's it? It's a really good album. Isn't it's it a though? really fucking great album. The Scorpions never came off, dude. They never it, winds of change kind of to me, eh, but man, other than that, they still rock. And they never get the credit over here they deserve. They're just as yeah. good as anybody out there, bro. The I always, I always I always say the groups that never got the credit they deserve, but they're just as good as the Metallica or whatever are the Scorpions and the Cult. Those yeah. two bands, right at uh, the top of my head, so it's Scorpion and the Cult. I'll put them against anybody, bro. They rock so hard. Had the great front man. And Ian Asbury, I'm, I, 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 here's what I want you to do. Get, on, get in a car or a motorcycle on a good summer day and listen to Sanctuary, and I guarantee you, mm. you'll get in the three digits. And, and <laughs> I, I've had many a ticket listen to Sanctuary. Bro. <laughs> it's yeah, it is a great, a great, great stuff. Listen, man, I have got to go. So you got to give me a one-word answer before I get here. One-word answers. Moto three champion for 2022. Oh, Foggia. Moto three Foggia. That's so easy, bro. That's so easy, bro. How about the old man Mino? Man, he's as old as me. I got a picture of me and Mino graduating together <laughs> high school. <laughs> he got a trophy and his AARP card at the same day. So I, I got, I'm gonna say Mino just to just to stump you. But okay, Foggia, uh, fair. Moto two, 2022 champion. Acosta. After all the shit you talked about. Okay. <laughs> and GP, 2022 champion. Mark Marquez. I love it, brother. 
Lewis Duncan, damn it, I love talking to you. I'm so glad you're happy, man. You're gonna get you got your woman in the next room. I know you're gonna go and snuggle and cuddle up and whatever you guys do. I don't even want to know. Anyway, play player a melody on your sixth string, my man. Thank you so much for talking to me as always, Lou. I'm glad you're with us, man. Hopefully we'll get to see each other in Austin. We'll go out to eat. Dinner's on Autosport, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Can't wait. Thank you very much for having me. Is there anything else you want to plug before we get out of here? No, no, I'm, I'm good. Just go and read Autosport. Keep me in a job, please. Thank you very much. <laughs> read Autosport. Go to Twitter. I love about this guy. He, makes his, he has an opinions and he stands on them. And that's what I love about you, man. You're not afraid to do that. I love that about you. Thanks for watching Tales from Gemini. Thank you, Lewis Duncan. Look up L. Duncan 666. All about the rock and roll, baby. Thank you guys so much. And like I say about this time, you know the word. Peace.